before Professor Joshua Katz was fired from Princeton, he was a rock star. Katz's class was on the hottest college courses list, published by the Daily Beast. He also received the President's Award for Distinguished Teachers in 2003 and the Phi Beta Kappa Teaching Award in 2008. As a master of classics, linguistics, and vocabulary, Katz would stand in front of his introductory luxury class and call on students. He'd have them stand and say a few sentences. Then Katz would tell them exactly where they came from and what little quirks in their speech set them apart. He knew all their tales. Like a stage magician of language, Katz even called this moment his party trick. In 2018, Princeton faculty discovered that Professor Katz had engaged in a multi-year consensual fling with one of the undergraduates in his classics department. The student was 19 at the time. Professor Katz initiated a sexual relationship with her in the mid-2000s. This discovery led to Katz being given a one-year unpaid suspension since Princeton had a policy against teacher-student relations. It's also worth noting that at the time, Katz was given his female student extracurricular homework. He was in his mid-30s. That's more than 15-year age gap between the two. But even after his abuse of power came to light, Katz's career and reputation remained intact. Princeton felt it was in their best interest to keep the affair in-house. Despite Princeton's efforts to keep Katz out of the news, he wound up in a completely unrelated scandal. Princeton students identifying themselves as Black Justice League attempted to push the college into removing Woodrow Wilson's name from their building. They claimed Woodrow Wilson was a racist. This came up again in 2020 during the height of the George Floyd protest. Student protesters published open letters calling for special pay for teachers of color and oversight for college research which they deemed inherently racist. We won't get into all the details of the back and forth between Professor Katz and the protesters, but in a public rebuttal, Professor Katz called the Black Justice League, who were students, a small local terrorist organization that made life miserable for many. That very next morning, people on social media were calling for him to be fired. First students, then strangers on Twitter and Facebook. Meanwhile, Dr. Katz retaliated by writing more letters and articles. That year, he wrote about the injustice of cancel culture. He wrote essays in the Wall Street Journal, The Spectator, The Quillette, and The National Review, trying to counterattack the negative reputation he was gaining. But when he was fired, the college board didn't even mention his messy disagreement with the Black Justice League. They said they were finally terminating his tenure because of the affair he had with his student back in 2005. They said they reopened the investigation after Katz had taken the one-year suspension, and they had only just now gotten around to fire him three years after the initial hearing. Again, Professor Katz went on the offensive. He rallied against the college for playing politics, for sacrificing him at the altar of political correctness, for being hypocrites. He claimed his affair with the student was in the past. A one-time deal, an unrelated, unimportant blimp. And the real enemy was cancel culture. And to prove them all wrong, 
Katz went and married another student of his, this time a former graduate, Miss Gold, 25 years younger than Professor Katz. You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment, all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then, we use science history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Lomitz, the extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no-duh on the internet. As Americans who watch the news... It's easy to get tied up in racial and political controversies surrounding the Princeton scandal. To start picking sides based on our party alignment before we hear the crimes that occurred years before. But we also have to remember, college students and professors thrive in political controversy. Rhetoric and debate is what they do. Discussion, activism, and discourse are the background noise of college. Here's the through line of this story. Somewhere in New Jersey, a 19-year-old girl's father packed a sedan full of clothes and furniture and sent his daughter to live in a Princeton dorm. His pride and bittersweet joy at seeing his girl go off to college would be marred when it's later revealed that he sent her into the arms of a vocabulary professor with a history of grooming his female students. Instead of fixing the issue, the college would give the professor a slap on the wrist and a year-long suspension. One year to write books and articles and guest lecture at other schools. Not only would he not learn from his punishment, he would have sex with and marry another student. Our Mr. Dare centered around Professor Katz of the college world. Miss Like. Myth one. How common is it for students to hook up with professors? If 84% of American universities have banned on student-professor relationships, why does it keep happening? Myth two. Okay, so the professors have sex with students. What's the big deal? If they're both consenting, there's nothing wrong with it, right? Myth three. Why don't colleges make infractions public? What parent wouldn't pay $30,000 in tuition to send their teen on a date with an old, balding professor? We're going to get into our myths. But first, I want to tell Joe about what made Professor Katz a rock star in the classroom. The Me Too movement kind of happened at around the same time as the George Floyd thing and the the protest started. So it's really hard to, like, diffuse which of those two happened. And on top of that, getting Me Too to the college isn't the same. Like like a, a professor with a student, that's not being Me Tooed. That is just an infraction. Every single college that I could read about that was of substance... Todd, back me up on this. The thing that really strikes me is a lot of people seem to be hiding behind the shield of, oh, they're coming at me because of politics. Or like Katz, he's hiding behind the shield of, I got, you know, I took the wrong side in this political issue. Now suddenly they're witch hunting me for doing, you know, for for sleeping with students over and over and over. (laughs) And that's a good point too, Joe. At what point of this is this this someone who's a, an academic snob and they think that they can outthink and outdebate what the popular opinion is? And there is a political thing at college. 
you have to be on the right side of it because there's a lot of money at stake. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the people that probably fired him might agree with what he wrote and said and everything, but they're just not going to say it out loud. But I, I wonder how much of the, how much of it is ego. Ego way out of control because he is a he's I would like to say a small pond, but let's face it, the academic world is a very big, very rich, very you know fruitful pond, right? Right. We'll get into exactly how prolific of a professor he is and how many like um, overseas colleges got him to come lecture and be part of their boards. He is he is at the center of the heart of academia in the world at the time that this kind of breaks. So if if you're cats, the way you defend yourself from this is you, like like exactly what you said, you argue against it. You you make it about something else. And that's what I saw, is maybe some of the professors on the board who voted him out, maybe they actually were doing what he said. Maybe they were doing it because he went on the wrong side of this, um, you know, uh, the, the protests from the black students who were trying to get Woodrow Wilson off the names of things. But frankly, I mean, like... We'll get into exactly what he did. It really seems to me like this is a man who did something awful, and when he finally faced consequences, he said, oh, look, cancel culture is rearing its ugly head, even as he's literally marrying one of his students. Yeah, when I first heard, when I first heard this story, um, and it's been some while, I, I thought about the part that you talked about with, about the parents. I mean, I just, I just... I know I was a step parent for a long time. If I found out my stepdaughter, <laughs> I just wouldn't even understand it that my my eighteen, nineteen year old stepdaughter is in any kind of a physical relationship with a middle aged man, even if a, I don't care how brilliant and powerful he was. I just I wouldn't get it, you know. <laughs> right. If you look up pictures of Doctor Katz, he looks like a professor. Like he he is a, yeah, a soft man. <laughs> He's he a stereotypical tiny glasses, yeah, yeah balding. He's wearing like a an oversized scarf on top of his suit. It, it's I mean like, you get a Getty images of like stock image of an attractive professor. You will get Mr. Katz. Well, I have some friends who are professors, and I have one up at the University of Washington. He's in the journalism department, and he used to call me every year and talk about how many beautiful. And he's a happily married man, but he's still a man, and he talked to me about how how outrageously beautiful all these young women are in his class. And he, he's mentioned to me on several occasions, that's why he keeps us doing this job, because it's not the pay. <laughs> 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 one time he called me and he said, you know, Miss, Miss Washington is, 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 one, is in one of my classes, and she's the sixth, she's the sixth most attractive woman in this class. So he, he, he really, to him, it kind of reminds me of this. It almost seemed like a sport, like, uh, you know. Right. I don't know if he had any relationships with him. I don't think he did, but I don't know. But he was certainly thrilled and enthused by all these beautiful, young, ambitious young women. <laughs> we will get into how incredibly uh, common this is. Like, it's way more people are having sex with their professors than I thought. Um, but we want to make it clear that this this isn't about a question of consent as we go through the story. It really is a question of, like, grooming and how much power Katz held over the people under him that he was sort of, like, grooming and treating, like, his valets and things like that, these attractive women. So this went so out of hand. This this has became, like, a kingship within, like, he, he was nobility at the college, and he, he and then he hid behind a political... Uh, movement when he got caught so th that to me is is the the striking part it's not that he was a human man with human urges it was more of 
you know, he was treating these people in a way that was, you know, it went past consent. It, it, it went into sort of a dark territory. So um, I'm going to let you take it from here before I spoil way, way too much. So uh, what what exactly made him be able to do that? Like, he, what made him such a rock star? Is this a real job? Do you get to call yourself a doctor when you're a legit linguistics professor does that does that aggravate the real medical doctors i mean is, are you a doctor of podcasting i mean what the fuck i'm a, I'm a yeah i'm a doctor of podcasting and i've i've got a um a, i'm a doctor of lawn mowing um i had a i had an arts school teacher in like middle school i had an art teacher who absolutely insisted everyone called her doctor and then i won't name check her on this podcast but it was like it, it, like like my you know I have a doctorate in in art history. You will refer to me as doctor, and I found out later that's just a dick thing to do. No, almost no one does that. It, it's <laughs> uh, well, the pastors do it at churches. They go to other countries, and then those pastors give them a doctorate of religion. You know, I mean, we need to get one right. of these. But Mr. Katz, you, you understand anybody? You got to go back a little bit, okay? Um, and Katz's father was a chemistry professor at Columbia, so we're in the. We're in the what, the Ivy Leagues here, right? Okay. And so he he grew up in a very academic environment. You know, his dad being a professor, um, hence the look, right? So he does he look went to, like he was made out of other professors, like like. <laughs> yeah, it looked like he'd be. He's made out set of in spare movie. professor parts. He's set in a, one of those '80s movies, right, where they're trying to get the frat boys kicked out of the thing. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what exactly. it looks like. Um, so he came he came there. He was actually studying at Harvard. In, in 1998, and he went there. Um, he went to visit Princeton, um, talking about his, his subject being the linguistics department, which they didn't have at the time. So he went there and visited, and he never left. Um, so he's a, he's a scholar, and he's internationally known. You know, we talked about in, in the beginning that uh, he's traveled all over the country and, he, and traveled all over the world. So when he got suspended from work. Our idea is being suspended and eat macaroni and cheese is not his, Joe. He was traveling, making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a day, speaking about what he's special in. Now, I find this fascinating. What he is good at, I, I just think is cool. I mean, we study. Uh, we both have voice coaches. We've worked in speeches and Toastmasters and pronunciation and everything, Joe. It's pretty neat what he can do. The tricks he can do. I mean, they're not tricks. He's just. He's just very, very passionate. They say he might speak as many as thirty languages. Holy shit! He won't. Yeah, he won't say all of them that he speaks because he's got such a high standard. He's fluent in every language that we would find in our, in our little bubble. You know, the French, the French, Italian, Spanish, all, all those. He speaks like the back of his hand, German. But to think he speaks over thirty languages, Joe. That is a. Okay, they say that as you learn new words to encompass new ideas, your brain can actually wrap around those ideas better. So speaking fluently dozens and dozens of languages, like we're not going to take away from this guy that his brain is incredibly sharp and that his level of understanding of language and communication is, it's got to be unparalleled. And we're teasing about his looks and stuff, but let's let's be honest, the guy... Has got charisma. He's sought after. He's in a powerful position. He's a very gifted. I mean, everyone said that his his lessons, his 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 lectures are amazing. Yeah. And these are people who have been to a lot of lectures. So even in his in his society, you know, in his social class, 
he's at the top of the food chain for people who speak every single day, our professional professions. He's probably one of the best in the world at it. Right. And that's attractive, right? I mean, that's attractive when someone is is charismatic and, and intelligent and successful and we did an episode on attraction and one of the things we talked about was power and not only power but social conscientiousness and knowing how much sway you have over other people it all it all goes into it very deeply well the reason i hang out with joe is because i thought think it would make me smarter and i realize he's not as smart as he portrays himself so i'm about <laughs> i say about the same but no you want to hang around people you want to learn from them right when you yeah. meet someone you look up to and they're really good at something, I mean, you've done this in your writing classes. Has there been any, any um, people that maybe not in an attraction way, but you're attracted to, to spending time with them and getting to know them and pick their brain in, in your writing world, Joe? Oh, absolutely. I've taken classes where like the the ability they have and the ability to communicate what they know makes them a, a magnet. Like Like people just want to sit around them because on the off chance that they say anything at all, it's going to be smarter than most of the stuff you've heard all day. Like, it's it's one of those things where you really can osmosis your way into a greater understanding of the world if you find the right people. I think that would be like hanging out with David Chappelle. You'd be afraid to say anything funny because it would, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the next thing he's, or that you think is kind of funny or trying to make him laugh or, you know. <laughs> right. Because you're such an amateur and he's such a pro. Yeah, nobody ever corrects this guy's language. Like, <laughs> I wonder if he's ever misspoken a word in his life. Ever. Okay, so if I sat you down or or we took a class together, like uh, what college class are we going to take just for fun? Uh, let's do it. Let's do an acting class. Okay, you and I are sitting in acting class. We have our own sort of charismatic professor up at the front. And you, know, you, you look around the class and you think how many of these – students have thought about or slept with one of their professors or like you were saying you have a, a professor friend who's like yeah some of these women are just drop dead gorgeous um if you're sitting in that class what percent like you know how many in 20 how many in 30 how many in 10 do you think would have slept with a professor or a ta i'd say two percent less than two percent okay that's that's the same percent of um sociopaths in in <laughs> in, in the population so um it's closer depending on where you go i got this from college stats um it, they surveyed about 2,000 students and this is where we're getting some of our research from uh they said over 14 percent or 14.04 to be exact of those people had uh inappropriate sexual relationships with a professor or a ta so if you're looking around in class it's not two percent it's not you know uh, one in 50 if you're looking around in class, it's like a couple people in class that you're sitting with right then have had sex with Every, a professor or a TA. Around, yeah, semester after semester, year after year, right? Yeah, it's like one thing? in ten. Yeah, it's a little higher That's than crazy. one in ten. That is so, so many people. That is so many people. <laughs> Why is, yeah, that is that is terrible. Now, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it the, the older person's? men or women professor's job to be the mature one and say no and isn't it the young person trying to seduce them that learns the lesson that it's not appropriate or is that just not a thing is you would think but i think really the way they look at it is it's a perk of the job like if you're a professor it's a perk of the job and also they're consenting so it's okay and 
the colleges that don't have a ban on this, that seems to be their stance. Uh, um, the the very small percentage, like less, it's like ten percent or something, colleges that do not ban relationships between professors and students. They're more just like their their stance that I found on the few that would actually publish it was, you know, they're consenting. Uh, they're both adults. Who cares? But in reality, we will get to the absolutely horrifying things that can happen between a professor and a student, even if they're both consenting. And it's it's consistent. Now, you're using this jargon for less educated people like me, but I'm imagining that a TA is a teacher's assistant, and that's the person who grades all the papers. Am I correct in that? Right, yeah. They, they wield some power over you. And oftentimes a TA is working their way to a professorship or, or they're working on a degree, so... Um, I would yeah, hate TAs, to think of my young son or daughter sleeping with someone to pass a paper, just straight prostitution, right. not even a relationship, which I, the relationship thing makes me feel a little bit better, believe it or not, than to just, I'm going to sleep with this TA so I can pass this class. Okay, now it's funny you say that because this same study that polled a couple thousand students, it actually asked them, why did you sleep with your professor? Like they, they had a little box that you fill in, which I thought was neat. Um, I don't know if it was a bunch of pervs coming up with this test uh, th- or this, you know, this survey that they sent out, but um, getting better grades, that's, um, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw this. I was like, okay, that's 10%, you know, one in 10 students that I saw in my classes apparently knew the trick to, um, to getting past their class, which was, you know, sleep with the professor. That was only 3.6%. So Only 3%? Yeah, <laughs> that's shocking a, to me because that's like you know that's the whole thing. You sleep with someone to get a you know at work. You sleep with the boss to get promoted, or right? You know, that's she slept her way to the top, or he slept. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So what was um, the number one? What was the number one reason? <laughs> the number one answer was just straight mutual attraction. The professor, you know, has this power, and they, you know, they. I was going to say they're physically in a prime, not their prime. But they're they're in relatively good shape, I would assume, for a professor. And the student is attracted to them, and of course they're young and attractive, and you know they're in the prime of their life. So why not? Um, that was sixty-three point six percent. That's crazy. I would I would have thought it would have been swapped. I would say the attraction would have been <laughs> less than five, less than five percent, less than three percent, and I would have thought that the the, the grades would have been ninety percent. You know? Right. Exactly. That tells me that 63.6% of people who have mommy or daddy issues is what I'm reading here. Um, now, there's another reason for the um, for hooking up with a professor. And this weirdly didn't fall into attraction. They simply stated it was for the excitement. So it's not necessarily uh. they're attracted to the person. It's that the situation excited them. And it was, you know, the... Yeah, I it's mean, the status. The status yeah. thing, right? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of and like I think that's on both sides. I think of that as sleeping with a rock star or something. I mean, how how satisfied could that be when it's not really? You know what I mean? It's just a right or, or a musician, a musician or an athlete or any kind of celebrity, which is what they are—academic celebrities. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, especially if you go to you know a really good college or a really popular class or program, then you know you've got these people who are used to teaching huge, huge lecture halls, and they they've got this you know. These great voices and this you know, amazing style and flair. Five percent said they weren't sure why they did it. Um, well, as as a very per- worldly person who's been around the block, of that sixty three percent, and then the twenty five percent who for excitement, sixty percent for mutual attraction. I bet a hundred percent of them regretted Joe. They got to. 
Well, that's the one that I really sort of questioned. I thought that a lot of regret was going around, but weirdly, no. About 83% said they didn't regret it, which means that we've got about 17% that did regret it or, or have some regret. Now, That's not much, though. I have more regret in my other personal relationships than 17%. Right. My normal relationships <laughs> right. that, that have nothing to do with, with professors. Yeah. yeah. Our 50-50 at best. Probably 60-40 that I regret it, you right. know? Well, I, I also think there is a little bit of um, not just sort of bias, but also gender involved in this. Because they found out that the percentage of men who hooked up with their professors was higher than women. I didn't expect that either. But 57% of the people who said they had hooked up with a professor were men. So I think the reason the regret is skewed so low is because guys are having sex with female teachers and then just sort of like giving high fives with their buddies afterward, which is weird. And yeah, yeah. I, now that's my interpretation of this data. Can, yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I would think women professors would be just so much smarter than that, you know? Yeah. But they never get caught, and they don't end up like cats here. If they're not troublemakers, it's, you know. Right. Well, we don't know if they get caught, because something we're going to find out in, in part two when we discuss the statistics of reporting is a lot of these issues, uh, like what would happen with cats, the, the colleges look bad if they have, I mean, if they really revealed that, oh, by the way, one in ten of your, you know, your, your, your baby, your 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 kid, your your college athlete son, your you know your star you know uh, math student daughter, send them here, and one in ten of them will go on a date with their professor. That's a thirty thousand dollars speed dating game that parents don't want to play. So colleges aren't going to report this if they can avoid it. Wouldn't it be safe for colleges to report it if it happens everywhere? It's the old, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing if it's unique to a certain part of the country or region, you know, to the Northeast or the Southeast, that or certain kind of colleges, community colleges or whatever. But it's not, right? It's across the board. Right. All the colleges all simultaneously just admit they're like, "Yep, one in ten of our, our <laughs> of our students they they end up on a date with a professor." Um, and then the whether or not people regret it, this is the one that actually is more telling for me is they asked the same number of respondents, did you tell anyone? And more than 50%, it's like 55% said no, they didn't. So they can say they didn't regret it, but whether or not they told somebody, that indicates to me a higher level of regret than their reporting. So of our, you know, uh, our statistics of why they hooked up, mutual attraction, excitement, not sure, better grades, which is tiny. Of those four, what do you think Joshua Katz and Solvi Gold came together over? Do you think it was attraction or excitement or grades? Can I say a blend of all three? (laughs) That's a valid answer. Um I, and I think a little bit. I, you know, when I was single before, I had a relation. I was engaged to a woman that was much younger than me. So the fifteen years thing that was right where I was at too. And um, it's definitely a different kind of relationship. I, I felt a little bit of shame, shameful about it. And I think that the women who are involved in, that, at least from my experience, um, have been a bit on the naive side, maybe. Okay. 
you know, or, or there's a there's definitely a missing link in their life of, I'm not going to say a father figure, but definitely, a, you know, emotionally supportive. I, of course, I don't think that same thing of anyone going to Princeton, right? Right. <laughs> Are there any real poor people going to Princeton, really? You know, I don't think so. His um, it, it was his first um uh, the first student who came forward and said that she was being manipulated by cats. She was a fifteen or more year gap. Um, when he married uh, Sylvie, it was way higher. I, I well, the very first thing where his trouble started on the end of his Princeton career was when the, they had um, that organization was was speaking out about ra- racial racial things that needed to be changed in the school. You know, more pay, pay for for. Uh, professors and people of color um, getting rid of the name on certain buildings because of what they um, are associated with. And you could see that it was a very, from, you know, we share in our links some videos. This was a very, and still is, a very high charged at the time emotional issues for a lot of people of color. And I think Katz was a little bit too, um, he, you know, he can say that he doesn't agree with everything, but I think he just took it like it was just too, without listening and really getting any value of what the people were saying, because I think they have a lot of good points. And I think that's his ego. Um, there's also a second one where it's it's showing his new wife, his young wife, and she's almost verbatim. I think that he, like, it almost like she, he coached her up. Yeah. Joe, I know you've seen this thing too. He coached her and groomed her along. Um, to stand up for him, right? So, <laughs> I mean, how did you take it? Well, um, to get the the timeline in here, so we can like let the the listeners know, um, beat for beat what went on. Um, the videos we found. So there's a YouTube video of her, um, Solvi on Fox News. This is when she's still a student, and Dr. Katz is sleeping with other students, not her, unless he is. Then we don't know that for sure. Um, but she is repeating his exact words and and phrasing and, and ideology, you know, why um, these protesters are in the wrong. And she's saying, you know, why it's not their place to call for Woodrow Wilson's name to get struck. And it's before Black Lives Matter. It's in, back in 2015. And she's on Fox News repeating Katz's rhetoric. She may just share all the same opinions he does, just randomly. Like Like, she might have come into this believing everything he believes it's possible it's possible but, the, but. <laughs> this is also like her what is it yeah it, it looks like grooming from the outside because she's taking his class she's being mentored by him you know uh it, it, she starts appearing in tv and repeating the things he's saying later in 2020 so it's it looks so suspicious <laughs> that timeline and nobody's pointed that out either. All the all the videos and articles I read were either yes, Doctor Katz or, or Professor Katz is you know what he says, which is they use politics to fire him, or it's people saying no, you did something horrible, you were me too, you deserve to be fired. No one's looking back at this Fox News interview and being like, hold the phone, you know she's been groomed, like obviously. Exactly, she's on that. She's on his team in his camp. So, question. And I will cut this out of the podcast if if this doesn't fit. When he starts calling the Black Justice League terrorists, then he marries her. Like, okay, so we're we're up to like 2020 or you know 2021. He refers to a group of student protesters as terrorists. 
I went to Boys State like before college. Like I, I went in, you know, like it's a high school program. And then I also attended local Portland College and they encourage you to protest. Like like it's not just a liberal school thing, it's a college thing. They they encourage being active and being in extra clubs and being in extracurriculars, getting involved in politics, doing things to change the world around you. So getting a having a bunch of students sit in and it doesn't matter what they're sitting in for. They were taking up space in an academic office. Like that's what they protested is they went to the you know, the Woodrow Wilson building and they sat there. And they spent an, they they were overnight. Like the the clip you can see on YouTube is they've been there for like twenty seven hours or something, and they're just sort of taking up space. And when they print out a demand, do you remember everything that was in their their demand that they wanted? No, I don't remember. It's some of it. It it, it is. It feels very student activist to me, and I mean that in a loving but also sort of like I understand way. Um, not a life, not a lot of life experience way, kind of though. Right, I, they're not trying to reach across the aisle and make a good political bill. They're not trying to fit it to everybody's model. Um, they're asking for things that, that they just can't do. The college itself could not do all the things. They may be able to remove Woodrow Wilson from the building. I think that was, you know, a, a good target to protest, just simply because it could happen realistically. But they also started asking for mm-hmm. um, teachers of color to be given more pay. Um, not to equal out pay, but I believe their demands were just, you know, they, they need to have more pay yeah, across the board. That one I don't remember. Yeah. And they, um, the one that got to uh, Katz is, I remember they were talking about, um, they demanded a oversight committee to be assigned to professors doing research. And the idea was this oversight committee would look in on professors' research and decide whether or not it was in, um, inherently racist. That intrinsically, if their if their research um, didn't, you know, uh, represent uh, people of color enough, or if it, you know, went too far into like, you know, it, it left out groups, um, almost like picking and choosing. Some research we have, uh, our show has research every week. We we have to look into the statistics of what makes us better people, hopefully, and we throw stuff out when it is like intrinsically biased or or if it leaves things out that should be there or if they don't do their controls well or if it's a tiny you know test group um so there are flaws in college research but this was something that cats couldn't get behind uh, to the point where like he he took it harshly i'm assuming he might have had some research that his office was undergoing that would have fallen under one of these categories so that's that's when he called them terrorists I think he cared more about his reputation than he did that, and that he thought that if he, because he's so brilliant, that whatever he says, he expects people not just to believe him because of who he is, but to bow down to him after that. You know what I mean? I think you get into that. You just you just really get too big for your own, for your own pants. Right. I, I think the for. Not to mention these young women has given his ego even more of a boost, Joe. There's nothing quite like that. Oh, absolutely. Sex for middle-aged men makes us weirdos. <laughs> and he had a... Trust me about this one. <laughs> he, he had a... Okay, did you get to the... Did you read about um, how many people he had sort of like following him around? He kept his staff very small, but they were like, like cult committed. It was crazy. Oh, yeah, everyone's got their support. My stepdad taught me that. No matter how much of a slime ball we think somebody is, there's people that 
they got their supporters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter who they are. So to make this timeline even more suspicious, um, you know, the, the the video of his then student, you know, uh, goes on Fox in 2015. Um, and then five years after that, Black Lives Matter happens. Then Katz gets in trouble for calling the Black Justice League terrorists. Then he marries one of his students, former student at this point, by a couple of years. And then he finally gets fired. So they didn't fire him right after the, you know, the calling the Black Justice League terrorists. They didn't fire him while he was, you know, putting out tons of articles saying that he's being canceled and arguing against cancel culture and argue against um, scrutiny. They did actually fire him after he married a former student of his. And that, and I think that makes a difference that he married somebody. That's not just sleeping with somebody, yeah. right? That that to me is, but it's it doesn't show that he's trying to. I mean, if you're accused of something, and then you're like, nah, you're you know you're secretly witch hunting me for something else, and then you go marry that person, like you you do it again right in front of everybody. I'm trying to get where you're, you're not really pitching your hand on how you feel about this. I don't know which one is worse. You know, being so um, politically clueless in your own career that you wouldn't think, especially at how what a heated time that was, what's going on in this nation. You know, all across the country, there was you know monuments being torn down and ex-slave owners who had um, buildings named after them, um, statues to them were being yanked down. You would think you would be. Is that worse or or what's worse for business? I think what's worse for business is the sleeping with students. I think that's what would be the black eye and would scare away, you know, the fifty, sixty thousand dollar a year tuition, Joe. I, I I completely agree with that. I actually don't think whatever politics he had is the negative part. I don't I don't believe that. I believe that engaging in public discourse, whatever you believe, is the thing you should be doing. Like like I, I like what Katz was doing which is trying to champion his side coming to the marketplace of ideas and trying to you know argue a case politically i agree with all that i agree with activism i i like the idea of you know trying to change politics for the better trying to change our system for the better but at the same time he's being he's getting caught i mean like it really looks like like we said you know it it seems like you know joshua katz found a student he could mold and then he helped her into the public eye in 2015, and then he married her after she graduated. That looks horrifying to me. Like, that is so much worse than engaging in politics. Yeah, and then it, as, as, a, as a, a, I always think of the parents, if they were former alumnus of that, too, they're thinking, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> you know, hey, get your guys under control here, you know? Yeah, I, it, it, to me, it would be kind of... <laughs> I want there to be... A alumni meeting where everybody is there and they're like okay raise your hand if dr katz proposed to you and just a bunch of hands go up <laughs> <laughs> uh, but don't we all do that we lose our job we start telling them, the things that we did wrong that we know we did wrong that we know though we got fired we start <laughs> talking about other stuff oh they didn't like me <laughs> we don't we don't address what really happened oh my god you know? i hadn't thought about that but that is a perfect and when, analogy and, and when so yeah and when people do say what really happens you wish they wouldn't have right 
you know, you're like, ugh, because it makes you look at him differently. Like, ugh. I wonder if his friends are like, he starts going off. He's like, I got fired because I got too political. And then somebody looks over. They're like, did you marry a student? (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you want to talk about um, what what the repercussions are of this? Like why we don't want to see professors dating their students, basically. And it has nothing to do with consent. Please. Okay. (laughs) So... Uh, I went digging. We, we're going to link to all of our um, sources and all of our um, articles as usual. Um, but we found um, a Washington Post article and a couple of sources talking from different colleges about how common it is. So the, the, the problem is, like we said, colleges are incentivized money-wise to just bury this. They're, they're incentivized to not tell parents that one in ten of your children are going to be dating a professor soon. Um, but colleges communicate with each other about this issue all the time. Uh, the Washington Post says, quote, many professors simply don't understand the effects on the student or what they do. You know, if you're a student, you've got to be afraid you'll offend the man who is controlling your grades or career. And that seems to be, to me, the bigger issue is, you know, these professors are looking at it from the perspective of this is an attractive person, this is a smart person, this is a young person, and they're deeply attracted to me that's a that's a good thing and they're consenting check 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 but what they're not taking into consideration is even if they don't mean any harm even if they don't they're not trying to dangle grades above that student they still control the outcome of their career like like the pressure on students now to make it through college with a degree that will get them a job well especially ivy league Ivy League is at a, they're at a totally different level of their own personal expectations yeah, exactly. for themselves. They just they're stressed out more than most, right? Yeah, if if you're I mean like we did a, an episode about Goldman Sachs and the newly minted students who go on to Goldman Sachs, they go from the most high pressure, you know, uh, uh, academic career possible to a job that works them 120 hours a week. So these people, a single professor's grade can really hinge everything like like it can change the trajectory of their career it can be the difference between working at goldman sachs and working at like bank of america's front desk so um yeah these professors hold a tremendous power they're stressed out about work they're stressed out about disappointing their parents most of them don't really even have a relationship or a boyfriend or girlfriend when they're in college they're lonely they're scared so they are vulnerable i hadn't thought about that but that is a damn good point which is you know, if they're frightened and far from home and they're they're working their brains out, having somebody who is an older, wise voice in front of them, that's a privileged position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell them it's going to be okay. And they can help them through it and everything, you know. They've seen, they've helped lots of kids through it. And, you know, yeah, I can see that would be pretty right. intoxicating. Now, now we get to kind of the, the dark part. Um, Arizona State and MIT and University of Rhode Island all kind of back up these numbers. Um, and Arizona State in specific said that uh, they found about 2% of the students who responded to this uh, had faced bribes and threats from instructors for sexual activities. So What? Yeah. So, so like we... They're being threatened? Yeah. They're being threatened. They're, they're being told if, if you don't do this, your grades will suffer. Um, they're, they're facing bribes. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're having happened to them exactly the thing we talked about at the beginning, which is everyone assumes you're going to be basically selling your body for a grade, well, that does happen, uh, about 2%. 2% isn't really high in this situation, but as they say in this article, 
if you apply 2% to all of college students, like, okay, let's just go all just female college students. If you take all the female college students in America, you're getting 110,000 students by that percentage that are facing bribery or threats from their professors to engage in sex. <laughs> That's high. Yeah. It's too much. <laughs> That's too much. And this is not 50 years ago. This is today as we speak. College is going on. Um, now, there are different careers that have a higher rate of uh, sexual misconduct. Um, this one was just kind of amusing to me. Like, it, it should have scared me, but um, it, it seemed just as like, yeah, of course the Psychological Association does this. In 1979, uh, the American Psychological Association, they looked at their psychotherapy division and they found that fully a quarter of the women who responded to... Uh, their survey, who had gotten their doctorates already, they, they had gotten it within the last six years, uh, had engaged in intercourse or general stimulation with their professors, and nobody believed it was coerced. So just a quarter of all of those um, psychotherapy students they, they interviewed had already had sex with their professors. So what is going on in psychotherapy and the halls there? I, maybe it's because it's more intimate. Maybe it's like... If That's what it is, the listening. <laughs> when people yeah. listen to you, it's very... It makes them very attractive. I'm telling you, listening is love. I know that Olympians have a lot of sex because they get together and it's like all these star athletes that are looking amazing. But I think really maybe it's just like here's a, a, a whole academic field where everyone just quietly listens to you and, and you know wants to know more about your problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, $500 an hour and then that, too. Oh, my goodness. Give me a break. Yeah. Um. There was a university student in Indiana um, who filed a suit several years after her ex-lover slash professor flunked her outright. Um, and that back in 79, this is in the same period, the court judge dismissed the case. He just was unconvinced that her academic work would have stood on its own. So that's almost a movie in the making where somebody goes in, they're like, my professor flunked me because I wouldn't continue having sex with them. And they're like, well, your work isn't that good. So... <laughs> Um, I never even thought of that when it goes south. Yeah. You know, you, you you did this not to get good grades, but that was part of it. And then next thing you know, they're being totally critical of you because they found out that you, <laughs> you're you not as – you're interested in someone in the dorm room and not them anymore. That would be tough for the professor, right? <laughs> right. They get they get dumped for, like, a, an actual college student. <laughs> He's just a kid. I'm just a kid, too. Right. <laughs> He's no good for you. He's attractive, handsome, and young. Those are all bad things. Yeah. Um, well, you want to hear an example of when it blows up with a, a capital B like a bomb? Please. So, Southwestern College, there was a biology professor, John Tolley, and this kicked off like both his um, career-ending scandal, but also more investigation into colleges that are doing this so he was sort of a fuse and powder keg all in one um they found that his work computer contained just troves of nude photos of himself with other students and videos of him having sex with other students and videos of him masturbating and they hired a private investigation group the titan group and they went looking into you know uh, professor tully and they sustained all 12 accusations against him that he was manipulating former students into having sex, intimidating them, uh, directing them to remain silent. Um, he, he photographed some of these women having sexual acts on property, using district computers, you know, sending pornography. 
Like, like it, <laughs> it's one of those, I, again, this is one of those instances where like somebody claims that they're being me too'd and in reality, they're just a monster and they're like, oh, I'll just use this current lingo that will protect me if I, you know, if I, if I get yeah. a, a political party to rally behind me and say, this is, you know, an outrage. Um, yeah, the investigation found that he was doing every single thing that he's being accused of. One of the students uh, feared that he would release nude photos of her um, over the course of their relationship. And she told the investigation group that his superiors knew about the sexual encounters in his office, but they didn't care as long as he did his job. <laughs> so, again, it's a, yeah, th- it seems like a case where I know college, that sounds like crazy, but that sounds a lot like... Um... That sounds a lot like um, sports coaches, too. As long as the team's winning, even more than the academics, they don't care. They really don't care. Yeah. They just don't want to hear about it anymore. You know, like, ah, <laughs> Right. Precisely. Like, like this professor is a, a star professor. He's got, you know, incredibly popular lectures. He is bringing, you know, I mean, like, how many thousands of dollars to the school? If, if, if you have a student who just signs up for your college because they're just really wanting to be in your class and be mentored by you. Well, that's a lot of money on the line. So, I I mean, you know, $30,000 per student multiplied by however many get enamored with your class. I think you're low on this $30,000, by the way, especially in most of these. We're talking about Division One, and then Ivy League. They're going to be in the 50s, I think, right? Oh, yeah. I'm just using a um, national average. That's not actually what Princeton costs. Princeton's crazy. Um, now, Tolly, this is Tolly, Professor Tolly was married, too, right? Yeah. He was married, I think. John Tolly was married. Um, when one of the students uh, had this affair end, she didn't handle it well, and she vandalized the school bathroom, and she wrote, Dr. John Tolly fucks his students in the office. And yeah, spread his private email and told campus police. And again, this didn't come out. Good this for came her. out in the investigation, not in this event. Yeah, and she also contacted. But that's what wife. happens. That's what happens when things call the wife and write things on the window and make a bit. You want trouble? Here you go. Finally, right. probably just all the stress and just all the you know, not being not being uh, not holding up his end of the deal. I guess you'd say right. Right. So so that. <laughs> uh, we're not saying John Tully is um, Professor Katz. We are simply saying that, like, these aren't happening in a vacuum. It's not just these professors have one infraction that is, you know, that's that's the only time they have slept with one of their cavalcade of attractive students coming through every year. No, this is a habit. And that's what we want to get into next is we want to illustrate that uh, Professor Katz, like this other professor, he made a habit of doing this, didn't he? <laughs> Well, this is a start. Um, this starts towards the end of his academic career here at P- Princeton. I'm Professor Katz. The Princeton Alumni Weekly writer Elizabeth Dotery wrote that there was two two um, trains of thought, two two different camps on this. Um, one was that the university, the new information came up about one of his students 15 years ago. I always wonder about new info on things a decade ago, though, don't you? <laughs> and I, I don't know. If I, not that I need people to come come forward right away. I think, and I understand being shameful or guiltful or fearful and waiting, but I think after 10 years or something, you would. But And then the other one was that it was this cancel culture mob, and so that he was just a, a martyr for that. Yeah. 
Um, there was, I, I didn't copy a bunch of them in here, but he has written so many articles and like so many rebuttals and so many, it got like, there were so many wall street journal articles. There's like a dozen about him being fired. I know he has academic friends on the wall street journal staff and like the Quillette and a couple of these magazines. It came off as whiny to me after a while. It was just like, Oh my God, shut up. (laughs) More drama from you. Right. Well, that's a good point too. He wasn't just talking about this in the you know the lunchroom at work. He was going to major publications, yeah, <laughs> and putting this stuff out there. I mean, he was really calling in all his friends and and using his stage to to kind of kind of make Princeton look bad, right? So I think he should get fired for both, Joe. What about that? <laughs> They're both inappropriate. <laughs> One's dumb. Yeah, one's dumb, the other one's just being a sexual predator. I agree with the idea that, like, you shouldn't be able to fire somebody for decades. I mean, like, if there's no statute of limitations on certain crimes, there shouldn't be a statute of limitations on firing somebody. Um, However, this wasn't necessarily a crime that was a one-time deal in his past. Um, somebody came forward and we're going to read from the direct sources. It was Princeton's own magazine that found these people out and got these you know, women to speak and like ask them what happened. Like we said in our, our stats, um, a, a lot of women who have flings with professors, they don't regret it and they don't see it as that wrong. So a lot of these women who started sort of reporting it, they weren't coming forward like it was a Me Too movement. They were just answering questions to the Princetonian, which is the Princeton's magazine. And they were just sort of doing this as, oh, okay, you know, other people have, you know, dated Dr. Katz. Uh, Sure, we'll talk about it. Um, There is one particular woman, the first one that this incident revolves around, where um, her case was special because... She seemed like she was being, like, put under pressure and duress and groomed and mentally crushed by this guy. Um, So he, just to sort of, like, frame this appropriately, um, there was an investigation in 2018. Um, This young woman came forward in the investigation. After his year-long suspension, you know, they talked to her, and the investigation showed that Dr. Katz misrepresented facts or failed to be straightforward, and that's in quotes. So the investigation... Uh, Oh, and obviously, um, in the investigation, he had discouraged women from speaking out. And part of it is also these people were discouraged from, like, seeking mental care. And... Oh, that's not good. They're having problems. Yeah. Right. And it was all in an effort to conceal a relationship he knew was prohibited by the university rules. And this is, again, all in quotes. That's just a statement from the source. Um, So I guess we kind of get to... Uh, that that takes us neatly to his original, the the investigation that the Princetonian kind of released. Do you want to do you want to get into sort of the absolute dirty laundry of this case? Um, you talking about the grooming stuff, or are you talking about? Yeah, the the original case and the original Princetonian article that came out that talked about that this is who did the investigating. By the way, we keep using the phrase investigation. Uh, what we mean is journalism. Uh, um, it was the Daily Pr- Princetonian went digging. It's whistleblowing. It's telling everybody. Right, exactly. Um, well, this... Go ahead. And the Daily, the Daily Princetonian talked about... Um, so, the kids, these kids were sought out, college kids, and to, to talk about if Professor Katz had behaved um, inappropriately around. And here's a girl number two. Her name's Clara. 
um, she told she told Princeton paper that Katz pursued her while she was a student for over a year, bought her gifts, commented on her appearance, paid for off campus dinners. So he was courting her, right? Right. That that sounds like courting behavior. That does not sound like a, an enamored, starstruck student is. You know, N- not at all. Like no. he followed up and kept with it. Right. He pursued her. I would say in my own experience, repeated boundary violations characterize the relationship I had with him. So I see that as him trying to get handsy and trying to <laughs> right. get her to spend the night and who knows, right? Uh, this girl number three, Bella, uh, said that Katz asked her on, on what she understood to be a date while she was a student in his class. Um, paid for a nice dinner and wanted a very, very, you know, five-star up, upscale restaurant during the semester's exam period. <laughs> so, so that kind of that kind of reeks of uh, don't worry about it. You're going to get an A. Like, what, what, what during exam period? Aren't you supposed to be studying, cramming? <laughs> to get it down? Right. If your professor is taking you to a fancy restaurant in a college town, so that around Princeton, what is a fancy restaurant sitting next to Princeton? That's got to be crazy, right? And on top of well, that, yeah, and everybody knows who you are too. Right. <laughs> it's like, now the university didn't want to have the university didn't comment on any of these stories, and I think that's funny. And Mr. Professor Katz, Doctor Katz, to you, Joe. Yeah. He did not respond to six emails or five voicemails to hear his side of the story. Uh, but as according to Joe, he did whine to the Wall Street Journal about freedom of speech. <laughs> he loves he loves a microphone. He loves to be in the paper, just not that paper. Right. As long as he's controlling the narrative, right, Joe? Right. He won't respond to the Princeton paper, but he will write just incredibly, yeah, um, long-winded articles. Uh, now, okay, so he didn't respond to the paper, to, to the Princetonian, but his lawyer did. And this is something that I want to bring to your attention. His lawyer, the the person who said that you know um, Princeton is is you know this is a plan smear, and she said it's clearly another attempt to punish him for dissenting from the prevailing campus orthodoxy. This woman is a former student of his. <laughs> his his own attorney is a former student of Dr. Katz's, and is one of these women who kind of like follows around in his cabal. So, and that's not my wording. That's crazy. That's Sophie Gold's wording. She calls it a cabal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. But you, but you and I have friends who are in different parts of you know different levels of criminals too. You know what I mean? And there's, I think, I think they they're just they're they're celebrities. I think they're celebrities in their own space. Yeah, that's that's so funny that he's like, I did not engage in inappropriate relations with my students. I'm not that close to them. Ask my student here. Also, my lawyer. <laughs> like that's. that's crazy well even though this was years ago Joe the one that the final thing the final nail in the coffin was the relationship he had with a 19 year old girl okay Um, so it was the mid 2000s Kat's engaged he's a multi-year relationship with with with, we'll call her Jane she's a female undergraduate Um, Joshua Katz was in what I would call a relationship with a friend of mine that was exploitative so, Joshua Kantz was in a relationship we called exploitative, um, who was a close friend to, to Jane. So, this was someone, one of her friends saying, you need to get out of this, right? Who was kind of, uh, was in her friend group and saw that, that she was taking up with the professor. Okay. And that was... Um, let me just take it... Year one? <laughs> yeah. We'll go through the timeline. It was year one. She took a class with Katz. 
in the spring of her first year. And there was two friends over in that same class that confirmed that. And then one of the friends is like, I can remember things getting weird by like midterms. Um, she, the girl Jane, got real upset while the pair studied at a campus uh, library after dinner. She had, was upset, like kind of a little nervous breakdown. And cats came running in to comfort her. So the her two friends are like, this is weird. Why? You know what I mean? Like a father or boyfriend or best friend. It's like, right. why is a professor cats here? That feels like boyfriend territory. And then year two, Jane said that she was starting to get very emotionally attached to them. It seemed to be really weighing on her. Um, so she, this was like a friendship mentor things, but she said this is moving beyond a typical mentor relationship. Right. So year three, it seemed like her academic and personal life were wrapped up in what Kat suggested. And this is someone, another alumnus said this. So to me, that sounds like he kind of taken over um, control. And, and then Jane confided to them that the relationship had become sexual. So now they weren't just a mentor-mentee. This was a sexual relationship. Right. And that she was getting very con- attached slash, I would say, controlled. Now, year four, Jane would often go through the cafeteria and bring food to Katz's office. She felt that if he wasn't going to eat if she didn't bring him food. That sounds pretty creepy. Yeah, that's... We're going from, like, early years where... I mean, like, all the way through her college career, he's basically stalking her and, and you know, setting this up and, and grooming her. We go from, you know, him taking people out to, to go on fancy dinners in Princeton to she is now carrying his stuff and getting him food and things like that. Sounds a little guilt-trippy to me, too. Oh, I work so hard. Come bring me food. I'm the king kind of thing. Yeah, everything that cats seemed to do in this relationship felt very manipulative. Now, another a, a person that was in the friend groups described relationship as unequal in terms of power and emotionally abusive. I would absolutely 100% sense that there's a certain amount of manipulation and serious taking advantage of that was happening in this relationship. My friend, and this is one of her her close friends, was deeply unhappy most of the time. I wasn't there with what happened behind closed doors, but I I do know she was always working for this person. She was carrying his library books back and forth, doing all kinds of tasks, and I don't believe a thesis advisor should ask a student to do that. Okay. So this is like out of control, like bringing lunch, carrying my books, like he... He he pursued her, and then as soon as he got her, he, he, it sounds terrible. It's it's does it sounds like manipulation one on one. If if this was a cult, she'd be wearing a robe at this point. You'd think that our Ivy League, Princeton University professor and students and faculty would be above all this, right? Yes, but I'll go ahead and be the asshole that says the creepy part. This is a man who mastered language to the point where he could tell you where you're from just by hearing your yeah. accent. So this is a guy who has a mastery of talking to the point where he can do this kind of stuff. And Princeton... And making people feel certain feelings. Right. And right. Princeton put him in a position of power, and they refused to make it public when it happened. Like, they, they didn't... Yeah, they, they quietly gave him a year suspension while it was being investigated and while it was still sort of being revealed. So 
I, I'm not going to say I blame Princeton more than him, but they sure are culpable for <laughs> letting a master of language just blatantly groom a young woman for four years and then do it again. And um, to, to give another quote, there's an article we found um, from the New York Times called Sophie Gold is a, uh, proud to be the wife of a canceled Princeton professor. Now, keep in mind, she's 27 and uh, he's in his 50s or something like that. Yeah, he's 53. So um, not that age difference is the biggest factor in this. I'm not shaming him for dating people who are younger than him. But it's that he follows these women through their first year of college and starts and continues the grooming through that. I mean, like we said, we saw videos of um, Sovig on Fox News basically in her early college career. And she's repeating his rhetoric. And then at 27... After he's done this exact same thing, I'm willing to bet with her, she is now married to him, and she also calls the people having dinner with him as their little cabal. Uh, that's in quotes. That's in the article. I mean, she's using that phrasing probably glibly, but it sure does kind of match. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. Joshua Katz has not gone quietly into that good night. Since his firing, Joshua and his colleagues have continued to publish articles defending him. Both the Quillette and Wall Street Journal claim Professor Katz lost his job because he was canceled. Not because he sexually groomed a 19-year-old subordinate in 2005. Not because two other students came forward with proof that he paid for expensive dinners or propositioned them. Not because he married a student while he was being investigated but because cancel culture. Depending on the source, the percentage of professors who sleep with their students hovers around 12%. At best, this kind of imbalanced relationship is highly questionable. Even with consent on both sides, the educator still holds years of experience, prestige, and status over the student. Not to mention the ability to absolutely wreck their grades and future job prospects if the student rejects them. At its darkest, this exchange is more like Joshua Katz. A long courtship of gaslighting, controlling, grooming between a man who can literally tell from just your choice of words which hometown you grew up in and a 19-year-old girl. The cost of attending college is at its highest in history. The economic punishment for not having a college degree in the modern workforce is enormous. A good degree is the difference between owning a house in your 30s and waiting for your parents to die so you can inherit a home to start a family in. To put it another way, if our kids are already being fucked by the economy and the cost of a university degree, maybe it's not too much to ask for professors to lay off the sexual servitude and grooming. <laughs>